He is enough. He is enough. It was great to see so many of our, of our Life Church people at the combined service last weekend. If you're here at the combined service, uh, this year was here, and who knows where it'll be next year, but it was here. And I got so many um, comments, you know, from different people, different uh, ministers in town. Even the the Maranoa Town Council actually even put something up on their Facebook page, um, just about the team here and and how it went really well. So thank you if you're involved in that last weekend. It, it's noticeable, you know, when we. Get Get in and we work hard together and we're all supporting each other and jumping in. So I want to give yourselves a bit of a hand, everyone who got involved with that. Yeah, sometimes, yes, sometimes you feel like, oh, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that. But, you know, it's amazing to be, to be in God's house and be part of God, what God is doing. That's probably one of the, my favourite things to ever do. And anyway, it was, they, like they said, they put it up on our, on our, the council put it up on our Facebook page. And so we have a private page as well. We have our public page. We put everything else, everything up. And then we have, a, 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 um, I suppose, a private page. We put lots of announcements, like that video from Lucas will probably go up um, on that page. If you ever see, can I just encourage you, um, you know, the easiest way for you to get on board with your local church, you never used to be able to do this when I was a young person. And, you know, when I was a young person, you know, you wanted to send a message, you would write a letter. Thankfully, I came at the end of that. You know, that's a big process, writing a letter. You have to write it down. You have to find a pen. But, and, you know, if you want to encourage, you know, if you want to empower someone, you know, if you want to empower something your church was doing, you either had to turn up or whatever. You know what you can do now? Like, this is so simple. If something in, in a, you know, if, if you got on once a week onto our family page or our, or our public page and you pushed, you just took the, what is it, half a second to like something, how long does that take? Look, I'm, I'm slow and I reckon it takes me less than half a second. If you want to empower what your church is doing, you know, we, we have about one working bee a year or something like that. But if you wanted to empower it, why don't you just, I know you're on your phones, all right? I know you, particularly you young guys, I know you're on your phones. Why don't you just get in there and give us a like or something? And what happens is then that message um, goes out and, and more, it turns up on more people's feeds. Do you understand how, how – I feel like old, but I feel like I'm the only person in the room who understands how Facebook works because I like the stuff our church is doing and I just send it a like and I know that that changes the algorithms in other people's pages and the friends and the people that look at my stuff and then see that. Is that – I'm the only person that knows that, right? Well, you all know it now. So if you could just give us a like, get, um, get on there. You could also give us a review. Did you know, I only found it recently, you can do a review on Facebook. Um, you can do a review on Google, whatever. You could do that right now. I could care less. Just get on there and on the, on the Facebook. And, and if someone looks over your shoulder and you're like halfway through this message and they're like, you're on Facebook. I said, yeah, I'm just liking everything and giving the church a review and I'm empowering the mission of the church. So um, next week I'll be right on to that. But this week, if you want to do that, go there. The, another thing about bringing ownership or being part of what we're doing, because that's, that's how I know. I, these people are part of our vision here because they just did the, took the half a second required to get this on their friend's face feed but you know um, another part of ownership and what's our church's mission bring Jesus to Roma and Roma to Jesus is that our mission help people understand how awesome Jesus is and the fact that in the context of this morning song he's more than enough right that's part that's our mission is to get that out there because I reckon Jesus is the best kept secret in Roma I honestly do if more people knew what what it was like to, to know who to know Jesus for themselves more people would be here that's why I'm like, like stuff. And anyway, I, I have found that there's a lot of more new faces at, 
at Life Church, and I get visitors, you know, coming back and go, Shay, I don't even know half the people. I'm like, don't worry, mate, neither do I. I've got no idea who comes here anymore. Um, I'm trying to get to know people, and which is exciting to have new faces, isn't it? New faces in church, new faces connecting what we're doing. But the challenge is to integrate people into the family, isn't it? Because it's the family of God. That's a challenge, isn't it? Making sure people are integrated um, into the family, and that's everybody's job. You know, everybody's job is to be part of that. And I think that's something that we, we, we do fairly well, but we could be better at, you know, inviting people out to lunch and connecting people, you know, out, out in the, on the veranda. Um, by the way, I've started to realise I was losing my voice about halfway into the first song this morning. I was like, holy dooly, we're in big trouble. Um, so, yeah, if you feel my voice is going a bit funny, yeah, you're not the only one in the room. But it's everybody's job to be on part of that. You know, finding someone out on the, on the, on the veranda who's maybe new or doesn't know anyone, inviting them out to the Royal for lunch, little plug there for the Royal. They should be paying for my coffees. Um, actually, Ewan's here this morning when he was working at the Royal. He's like, do you come here every day, Shane? I was like, that's my office, mate. Um, but th- this morning I want to talk about, so that's, you know, our responsibility as a church to try and integrate people and, and be friendly and invite people out for them, do all that sort of stuff, find it, get them into it as the small group that you're part of. Um, that's all cool. But um, the, the flip side of that is sometimes we don't know how do you integrate yourself into the family. I find sometimes that's a bit of a challenge. People don't know how I've been attending maybe Life Church or this church or that church for a while, but I don't really quite feel part of it yet. Or I don't feel. So I thought, let's have a little look at that this morning. How do you integrate yourself into the family? Because it's a two-way street. And here's the thing. Jesus was visited once in the middle of the night. So someone sort of, you know, there's a reason. You know, if you're visiting Jesus in the middle of the night, it means that, you know, um, you've got a history or, or whatever. But it, or it could mean that, you know, you don't want people to know or whatever. Anyway, Jesus got introduced, uh, sorry, he, he, this person um, comes and visits Jesus in the middle of the night. This guy was a, a Bible teacher. And in the course of, so, he, so this guy who understands the Bible really well, he visits Jesus in the middle of the night. And in the course of that conversation, I believe Jesus unpacks exactly what's required to not just join the family, but become family. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Let's pray and we'll get into some verses. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for your presence in this house. I thank you that you are more than enough. You are more than enough. If we know you, we've got enough. Lord God, I just pray that that's something that we really grab hold of here at Life Church. But um, Lord God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for everybody that's in the house today. And I pray that each person, whether um, no matter how many times you've been here before, I pray that there's something in this that jumps out at us and goes, wow. That's something I need to grab hold of this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Awesome. So we're looking at um, the book of John, chapter 3. Now, the book of John was written by the guy who describes himself as Jesus' best mate. So Jesus' best, well, he just, I don't know what Jesus would have said, but John says, oh, I was Jesus' best mate. And he wrote um, a book uh, in the Bible to, to, as an account of Jesus' life because he wanted people to know what Jesus got up to while he was here uh, on the planet. And uh, this is part of it. You might know, you might, some people here might have heard the verse John 3, 16. It's the most famous verse in the world. Um, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would have eternal life. And that comes just after this. So this is, that's part of this conversation, that verse. So if you know that verse, um, it's part of this conversation, but we won't get there this morning quite that far into it. Anyway, verse one, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. Um, this man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, 
which means teacher. We know that you're a teacher. There you go. Come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered. It's interesting. So he, he doesn't really, he just makes a statement, but Jesus then sort of answers something else. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you. So Jesus is like, you can take this to the bank. That's what most assuredly means. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's important information. And in verse four, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man, it's a great question, how can a man be born when he's old? And I'm thinking that. I was playing a little bit of basketball with my boys last night. I'm really sore this morning. And I'm thinking, being born, that'd be worse. Can he enter in time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, most assuredly, so again, Jesus says, you can take this to the bank. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? So he's like, man, I've never heard that before. You know, I've been around for a long time. And verse 10, Jesus says, is really cool. He says to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? So Jesus is like, well, how? You've been talking, you've been teaching people the Bible, but how do you not know this? Anyway, let's have a look at it. For us to really grasp why Jesus answered him, because Nicodemus didn't ask him any questions. Nicodemus just said, mate, Jesus, we know you're sent by God. And then, Nic- and then Jesus chooses to answer in this way. So to, uh, to know why Jesus answered in that way, it's important to know who Nicodemus was. A little bit of background to get about him. It says in the text that he's a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews, right? So for various reasons, people believe that this Nicodemus guy was a wealthy man. Um, Some people believe that he was actually in the legislative assembly. So he's like, you know, a politician slash teacher slash Bible scholar. And there's different reasons they think he's quite wealthy. This Nicodemus is no mug. That's what I'm trying to say. He's a very astute, very sharp individual quite possibly a businessman. This guy is not a guy that you would just go, you know, you'd just tell anything to. He's a sharp cookie, all right? And it's important for you to know that. Um, the Pharisees themselves, this is the group of people he was related, he was sort of involved with. Um, it's kind of his crew. They were predominant religious teachers at the time. So if you want to know something about the Bible, you would go and ask a Pharisee. That's who these guys were. They were the ones that were expected to know everything there was to know about the Bible. And that's important to know. And that's why Jesus said, how do you not know this stuff? In fact, some people don't realise, but the Pharisees actually invented the idea of the synagogue. So if you've read a bit of the New Testament, you know, often when Jesus is reading the Bible himself, he's in the synagogue. Well, the Pharisees invented the whole idea of the synagogue. These guys were, were a very big deal and they devoted their lives to the study of the Scriptures and converting non-believers to follow God, which a lot of times you don't realise. That was what set them apart a little bit because the Pharisees, believe it or not, they believed that everybody could follow God. And at that time, that was a bit of a controversial thought. Jesus actually empowered that thought, believe it or not, more when he came. So we think that sometimes if you know a bit about the Pharisees, you think this or that. But the Pharisees were, were the ones who sort of pioneered the idea 
that non-believers could connect to God. So this is, this is who, who Nicodemus is. And what does it tell us about Nicodemus? If that's the group of people he decided to associate with, so he chose to be part of this group. So what does that tell us about Nicodemus? So we just need a bit of background here so, he, so, so you can understand that just the gravity of what Jesus said to him. Well, here's the thought. Nicodemus was more than a Sunday Christian. He didn't go to the, the, in those days, he'd go on the Sabbath. He didn't just go to the synagogue on the Sabbath and that was his faith. No way. He was a believer and a worshipper of God. Nicodemus understood the first commandment. He understood what it was to put God first and had done that. He didn't try and fit God. You know, this is what we do often. He didn't try and fit God into his lifestyle. He's like, oh yeah, I want to be a Christian, but I'll just see if I can get you know, what I want to do as a Christian to fit with what I'm doing. That's not, that's not Nicodemus. He's like, I'll fit my lifestyle into my service to God. God first mentality. This is Nicodemus. Um, Nicodemus would have been made sure he was in, as we said, he's in God's house on Sunday or the Sabbath in those days. He would have been honouring towards his parents, no matter how they behaved. He would have understood the power of his affections and only shared physical intimacy with someone he was married to. He would have always strived to tell the truth with his word, his bond. This is Nicodemus. Um, I'm assuming you could have left him unattended in a bank vault and he wouldn't have taken anything. He had learnt to be content um, with what he had, not desiring the things other people had. If you've picked up on it, I just went through the Ten Commandments there. He's, he, he, this is his first place of, of checking what he should be doing today. Just check and make sure it lines up with the Ten Commandments. This is who this guy is. He would have understood the opening windows in heaven principle that we've been talking about this year. Nicodemus was under somebody that understood tithing. He brought 10% of his increase to God's house, the place God chooses for our tithe. He also would have known about generosity to the poor and he would have given around 3% of his income to charities of his choice, the place he got to choose. Now, if you're anything like me and just heard of what this Nicodemus is like, you're like, this guy's a legend. This is the sort of guy, you know, if you're a pastor of a church, you want Nicodemus on every row, you know, like 500 of them. Correct? This is the dude. And I said, this is Nicodemus. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, you can't come to heaven. You can't see the kingdom. The guy I just described. He's more than a Sunday Christian, this guy. Mate, he lived it. He breathed it. He immersed himself in it. And Jesus says, well, you won't be seeing the kingdom today. Good grief. I don't know about you, but if I read that, I'm like, we're all in trouble here. <laughs> I don't know, am I the only one in the room? So as much as everything I listed there that Nicodemus got up to, right, these are things God has asked us to do. They're all good things. All good things. They're things which bring blessing into your life. Everything I mentioned that Nicodemus prioritised. You guys are all here on Sunday. Brings blessing into your life. One example, I listed a whole heap of examples. Telling the truth brings blessing into your life. Not stealing stuff. Make sure that blessing doesn't escape from your life. Follow me. These are all great things to do. They're great things to do. But this isn't what it takes to experience God's kingdom. God said, do them all. All those things I listed, God said, do that. You'll be shocked how much fun it is. Do that. You'll be shocked at how much blessing it brings in your life. Do that. You, you, you'll be so surprised of how much um, pain it keeps away from your life. All the things I just talked about. 
But Jesus is like, that's not what it takes to experience God's kingdom. Wow. So here's a question. Here's a great question. Some of you are already asking it. So what was Jesus talking about when Jesus said the kingdom? Is that a good question? Well, I would say it's a great question. Now, here's a thought for you. I, believe, I solidly believe this. I believe the devil himself has constructed a great cover-up in the church, getting Christians to believe that the kingdom is the pie in the sky when you die. And yet the New Testament teaches something completely different, that the kingdom is here and the kingdom is now. now if we were to understand that the kingdom is here and the kingdom is now, we would live completely differently. We would. We would live completely differently. Luke 17, throw it up for me, guys, at the back. Luke 17, we're going to read this. This is Jesus talking to a different Pharisee. One day the Pharisee, or a group of them, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Sounds like most people in most churches. When's the kingdom coming? That'll be awesome. We're looking forward to that. What a great day. Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. Fair enough. You won't be able to say, well, here it is, or there it is. It's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. Jesus is saying, the kingdom's here, people. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the sentence. My grammar's not great, but that means if it's getting happening on earth, as it's supposed to be happening now, and that's what it looks like when your kingdom has come, your kingdom has come. Jesus himself asked us to pray. and we, That's the whole windows and heaven thing we've been talking about. I found a quote just about that Lord's Prayer. To pray thy kingdom come means this, to invite God's will into the world. That's when God's kingdom has come. And to be open to what God wants for your life. It is also... See, most of us forget about the first part and we think about the second part. It is also looking forward to Jesus' second coming to fully establish God's reign, which is obviously predicted in the Bible, which we believe. And that's the bit where like, Jesus went, this is what the, Phar the Pharisees are already on that page. They're like, when's that happening? And Jesus like, well, that's phase two. You should be living in, you're in phase one. Live phase one. Don't miss phase one. It's a prayer. I love the way this lady, Lisa LeWalt wrote this. And then she goes on to say this. It's a prayer that summarises the entire Bible and what God wants to do on the earth. Isn't that great? When you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you're praying the entire Bible in that sentence. Isn't that great? That's powerful stuff. But you see, we don't get that if we don't understand that your kingdom has come, the kingdom is now. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about that and he's saying, if you want to experience what God wants to do on the earth, because what did Nicodemus actually say to Jesus? He said, we see you doing all this stuff, all these signs, all these amazing things. You're obviously sent by God. And Jesus says, well, do you, if you want to experience what you're seeing, you must be born again. He actually says, you must be born of both water and spirit. Now that's Jesus himself said that. So Jesus is saying your knowledge, and remember he's talking to Nicodemus, your knowledge, your accomplishments, your works for the kingdom, while they are a credit to you, and they are, they aren't the price of admission to see the kingdom. And Jesus was, I think he was really clear about that. You must be born, again he said, didn't he? You must be born into the kingdom. 
That's what Jesus said. You must be born again. You must be born into the kingdom. So the kingdom is a birthright thing. You can't pretend your way in. You can't go, oh, I did all this cool stuff. I followed all the commandments and I made up some of my own to follow and I'd follow them too. And Jesus is like, well, that's really good. That's actually, that is empowering your life. There's no doubt. But kingdom, when we're talking kingdom, we're talking a whole other level and that's a birthright thing. You must be born into that. Most scholars believe when Jesus spoke of being born of water, he spoke of being baptised in water, right? So coming up out of the water is a new creation, entering new life. That's why Jesus talked about it. That's why John the Baptist did it. That's why the disciples did it when Jesus ascended into heaven. That's, they're all doing that, right? The baptism thing. That's Jesus endorsed it, being born of water, because Jesus said to Nicodemus, the guy who, who followed all the rules, he said, mate, you've got to be born of water. We're, we're pretty good at that. We're pretty good at that. Entering a new life, being reborn to start a new life. We understand that part of it. Water baptism. Jesus said you must be born of water if you want to see the kingdom. It makes a lot of sense then that to be born again, as Jesus said, you must be born of water and spirit. It's important to also be baptised with the Holy Spirit as you would be baptised with water, right? Makes sense. Reborn of water and reborn of spirit. Right at the end of the passage, Jesus chastises Nicodemus for not knowing that. He's like, mate, Flip, I'm glad I didn't go to any of your classes. What do you mean teaching everybody? But here's the thing. Even for Nicodemus, Nicodemus came to see Jesus at night. So that says something. He's interested. He's interested. You know, I'd have been at home asleep. He's like, I'm doing all this stuff. I understand all this stuff. I know the Bible, you know. I can quote all the stuff. But there's something missing, isn't there? This is where Nicodemus was at. He's like, I see what Jesus is doing, and that's not my experience. And in, and in Jesus' word, he, he, Jesus would have said, you're seeing the kingdom, but that's not your experience. There's something missing. He's going to the temple you know, on Sunday. He's living out God's word. Something was missing. And look, I find there's a lot of believers, a lot of Christians, a lot of people believe the word, but they're in this space, the same Nicodemus space. You've run into them too. They're trying to do all the right things, but they resist the words of Jesus and fail to make the step of being born again. When Jesus was really clear, you must, you cannot. You know, some people I've spoken to over the years, they tell me, oh, I'm not in the right place to be water baptised. I'm, I'm doing a few things wrong. I'm like, well, the idea of water baptism is being split off for your whole life. How can you tell me that? Once you, once you, see, that's a complete misunderstanding of what Jesus is saying. You can't live there unless you're, water, unless you're reborn. And you're trying to live there not being reborn. It's like, that's a really bad theological place to be. What Jesus is saying, once you decide to follow Jesus, once you realise who Jesus is, the very next thing you should do, like the next day, get water baptised. Because it's what cuts you off from your old life. You know, anything about water. I wrote this. Um, if, and some of you will know the background. Some of you won't. Whatever. This is for those that do. If, if you're like, oh, you know, I really want to follow Jesus, but I don't think I'm in a good place to be water baptised. That's this. That's like saying, I'm not out of Egypt enough to cross the Red Sea yet. That's how you get out of Egypt. You cross the Red Sea. It's ridiculous, right? Does that make sense? just trying to put it out there and trying to help us understand the basics of what Jesus said. Once we accept Jesus, the very next move a smart person takes is to get out of Egypt. There's only one way. Got to go through the Red Sea, which is the water baptism. It's the image of water baptism. It's the only way to do it. Some don't see the necessity of being born into the Spirit right. 
And in that space, you're like Nicodemus. You're sort of part of it. You don't seem to be experiencing it. You feel like an outsider or a spectator all the time reading your Bible, praying. Why don't I feel like I'm on the in crowd? Trying your best to be a follower of Jesus. There's, there's still some sense that you're an outsider of this whole thing. It's an outsider. Trouble is you are an outsider. It's going to be blunt there. Jesus said, unless you're born again of both water and spirit, you will not see the kingdom. Oh, how much clearer does it need to be? Why did Jesus make this statement in the first place? Because Nicodemus, as I've said a few times, he didn't actually ask Jesus a question. I'm going to quickly look at it again. And you can throw up John 3, 2 to 3 if you want. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. And then he says this, and this is why he's come, for no one can do the stuff you're doing unless God is with him. And so that's all he said. It's not a question. It's just a statement. Jesus, you're awesome. And so Jesus answered and said, he could have said, yeah, mate, I'm pretty cool. But instead he said this. He answered and he could have said, you know, well, that's because I kind of am God. He could have said a thousand things. But he said this, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. So in that one sentence, I love this about Jesus. In that one sentence, Jesus explains to him what's going on. You're seeing the kingdom. What you're seeing me do, that's the kingdom. And in the same sentence, he gives him the path to the kingdom. Very clever, isn't it? Just amazing. I love how Jesus does that. And this year at Life Church, we've been talking about opening windows in heaven. We've been talking about bringing God's will into your life and the lives of those around you. And that's what it is to see the kingdom. And we talked about your kingdom come will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's exactly what Jesus was talking about. This whole stuff we've been talking about, opening windows in heaven and seeing God's will done on earth. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. He's like, you want to see that stuff? You want to see the open window stuff? Man, you got to be born again. you got to be born of water and of spirit. If you want my story, and I, think, I believe he's saying it to his church today. I believe he's been saying it to us all year. I'm just re-articulating it in a different way. I believe Jesus says to Nicodemus, if you want my story to be your story, you must be born again. You will need to be born of water and of spirit. It's very clear. Church, we can't experience everything God has us from a position of knowledge. It just doesn't work that way. If it did, Jesus wouldn't have said it. He would have said, Nicodemus, all you've got to do, just believe that I'm God and God sent me and we're happy days. That's where a lot of us position ourselves because Jesus was the Son of God. It says, you know, if you believe in your heart and say with your mouth that Jesus is God's Son and God sent him, happy days. But it doesn't get you to see the kingdom. Otherwise, Jesus would have said that to Nicodemus. We can't experience everything God has us from a position of knowledge. Our morality, catch this, our morality, whilst empowering our lives for the better, which it does, you cannot convince me otherwise, does not give us access to the kingdom. If it didn't for Nicodemus, and I've described the type of guy this guy was, I'd be shocked if it does for anyone else in this room. If you're serious about seeing the kingdom, because that's what Jesus said. If you want to see the kingdom, if you want to see it in your life, if you want to see it in the lives of the people around you, 
if you want to see generational change, if you want to see windows open in heaven and resource, um, as we've chatted about, like they're saying all these signs and wonders. Well, that's what signs and wonders, signs and wonders is God's will in heaven being brought to earth by someone who's crazy enough to step into that. Somebody who sees the kingdom. And if you're serious about seeing the kingdom, my advice to you this morning, and I'll just echo the words of Jesus here. I didn't write this. You must be born again.